What is going on, Trash Talkers? We are back with another episode for you. Today, we start off by debating which was the bigger wildcard upset, the Patriots falling to the Titans or the Saints getting stopped by the Vikings. Plus, we recap the rest of the games from wildcard weekend. Next, we dissect each of the new head coaching hires around the NFL. Then we dive into the new cheating allegations in Major League Baseball lobbed at the Red Sox for using replay review to steal signals from opposing pitchers and catchers. Finally, we predict the winner of the college football championship between LSU and Clemson. All that and much more coming your way right now. It's off the defended by Simmons. Is this the tender? Welcome back and Happy New Year, everybody. We have a lot to get to today, so let's get started. We're going to start with the biggest disappointment in the NFL so far. Was it the New England Patriots losing to the Tennessee Titans or the New Orleans Saints losing to the Minnesota Vikings? Nick, I'm going to shoot it over to you first. You know, as much as I want to say, and excuse my voice, you know, I was at the Patriots game this last weekend and... uh Losing my voice uh, probably wasn't worth it in the end, but I still have to pay the price for, for screaming so much. Uh, yes, I think we can thank new friend Kyle Van Noy for those tickets, by the way. <laughs> yes, thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, go check out our, uh, our Twitter page. Uh, everything will be explained there. Um, but going back to the question, uh, biggest disappointment... I, I, it's so clear to me. It's the Patriots, and it, it pains me to say, as much as much as I want to say the Saints because they, you know, have such a star-studded team and everything seems, you know, that they would have a strong shot at making uh, the the Super Bowl for the NFC, and and everything kind of went wrong for them. The, the Patriots started collapsing at the end of the season. We saw it in week 17 where it was a must win to get the bye. And they couldn't even beat the Miami Dolphins. And then they were like, oh, we'll, uh, we'll be better next week. Uh, we're going to take it seriously this time. Nope, they did not. They, I don't know if it was coaching, if it was players that just didn't want to rise to the, the occasion. I don't know what it was. But it was probably a culmination of the two. But it was just it was bad football by the Patriots, 
no one seems to to want to do anything the right way. Um, the the play calling was absolutely garbage, uh, and, and the 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 players don't want to don't have the will to do what's necessary to get open or or make a big play in order for the the Patriots to uh, to have gotten where where they needed. I mean, the the defense for the most part did their job besides letting Derrick Henry rush for 200 yards. But that's not entirely their fault. That goes on Bill Belichick because No, so I'm going to jump right. I don't think I think by game plan their idea was to let Derrick Henry do his thing. They're going to try to stop him, but they shut the pass down. If you look at the game plan, it was do not let them pass the ball at all because the whole idea was let's get points on the board, let's score, and then they're going to have to abandon the run. And if we're taking the pass away, that's going to play in our favor. But they couldn't get points on the board. So I I think it it's a – I wouldn't say that Derrick Henry going for almost 200 yards is the biggest issue because you had to understand Derrick Henry was going was gonna to get his. I mean – there's very little that any defense can do to stop this man the, and behind what is probably a top three offensive line in the league. Yeah, I mean, they they have a strong line. I get that. And I'm, I'm still putting blame on the on the Patriots coaching staff, Bill Belichick, most like most mostly because it's his job to, to have the right personnel in place. We have three defensive tackles in total, two of which are only capable uh, are capable of uh, Stopping the run, and and pretty much one of them is a pure nose tackle. Uh, you know we have a- uh, Adam Butler who's a pass rushing defensive tackle, uh, and then you have Lawrence Guy who's your utility player, and then you have um, Danny Shelton who who's gonna you know clog up the middle. Except there's only so much that two down linemen can do against that offensive line as you just mentioned, and Derrick Henry who's what two sixty six two, you know he. he He's, he's a massive human. He's unreal, and we saw him in person. He is giant. It's, no, he's it's, a it's, massive human. It's ridiculous. It, he should be illegal. He should be kicked <laughs> out of the NFL. <laughs> like, but this happens every year. We've seen it over the last few years where Derrick Henry comes alive in the second half of the season, and he's absolutely unstoppable. And if you don't have the right personnel, he's going to kill you. And he killed us. He killed the Patriots. There was they held uh, Ryan Tannehill to seventy-eight yards passing, but you gave up over two hundred yards to their running back. You only gave you may have only given up fourteen points total, but you still lost the game because you couldn't stop the run. No, yeah, but they shut out in the second half. If you're telling me that. Tennessee comes into New England and scores 14 points. I would have told you 10 times out of 10, the Patriots won that game. But you would now you yeah, would think that's what but you would now think. Yeah. you're throwing, you know, you're throwing the offense that they have out there. They couldn't move the ball worth shit. They just can't. There's there's nothing that they can do on offense that is going to surprise or hurt any team. I mean, Short of a defensive player falling down or getting hit on a pick play, it's really there's nothing that the Patriots can do to get somebody open because Julian Edelman was hobbled. He can't get separation. Nikhil Harry, he's not running past any defensive back. Okay, uh, Philip Dorsett went blank in the second half of the season. Um, 
Jacoby Myers forgot how to catch a ball. I mean, there there's so many different issues on the offense. I, I just don't think that there was anything that they could do. And now I'm not saying that I'm not saying that they aren't a disappointment. But we saw this going like this was a, a snowball effect. We saw it starting in the second, in the beginning of the second half of the season, and then it culminated right at week seventeen. And then you know the playoffs have a weird uh, way of showing you know everybody exactly who you are. It showed that we can we can play really good defense, but we don't have one ounce of offense to put points up on that board. I, I that's where I disagree. Because I think the Patriots have enough. I'm not saying it's the best by any means, or it, I'm not even saying it's you know half you know you know should be you know half and you know halfway in the in the league is considered top half of the league. Top half of the league. Thank you. They have enough because they've done less. They've done better with less. I, I disagree. I don't think they've done better with less. I, I think this I think is why I'm, I this is why I believe. It all falls on Josh McDaniels. He is the guy to run the offense. He did absolutely nothing to come up with new plays. We didn't see anything new in this game that we haven't seen in, in the uh, regular season. I don't know how you're not going to look at this Titans defense, know that it's coached by Mike Frabel, and, and think that you're going to have to come up with something special to, to get points, especially when you just faced Miami and you couldn't do anything. I, I, I don't know what he's thinking. They got lucky on a couple plays that got him downfield, and they you know handed it off to Julian Edelman for a rushing touchdown. That was their only touchdown of the game, and then you get two field goals, and it's just and then you have an entire half of football where you don't score any points. I, I how do you not go into halftime and try to scheme up something? Even while your offense is out there or on the sideline in the second half, start thinking. Don't watch it's, the game. It's not just about that, though. It's not about that. You can't you can't implement a game plan when players like Mohamed Sanu can't even grasp the basics of the of the playbook. Nikhil Harry missed half of the season before he was able to even but hit the field. The with playbook. The, with, if you're creating new plays, the playbook doesn't matter. As we've heard many times. Right before the Rams game, uh, the, the Super Bowl last year, the night before, they implemented eight new plays, and they ran five of them, and they completed on all five of those plays. But you're talking about players that aren't there anymore. Gronk wasn't walking through that door. No more James Devlin in the running game. No more David Andrews on the offensive line as your captain. You don't have... Um you know, you you don't have a lot of these pieces that you used to have, and you can't rely on sp- certain people where you used to be able to. This is the first time in a long time that the Patriots haven't had one player that scares a defense. But Gronk used to be the guy that you say, "All right, we Tom have Brady to make sure he doesn't McDaniel's get his thing. fault." That's their fault. You have no, Jacob- no. Jacoby Myers and Nikhil Harry, who are more than capable of making plays. Yes, Nikhil can't get separation, but he has the strongest hands I've ever seen. You have Jacoby Myers, who no one knows about, which means you can use him in special situations where people aren't going to take him serious. He has a lot of speed. He's, he's very length, lengthy. He can, he can go up and grab the ball. He's a strong physical receiver. We've seen it. Just tr- you got to be able to trust him. Both Josh and Tom have to realize that you have to use what you have and make the best of it. 
at one point in the Miami Dolphins game, Tom Brady looked over to his left and he saw Muhammad Sanu and Jacoby Myers, and they were both standing in the wrong spot on the field. He had the play clock was about to run down, and they couldn't use any more timeouts. He had he hiked the ball really quick. He threw the ball to Julian Edelman, and it was intercepted for a touchdown. That was the pick six in that game. So. You're telling That's me that he, if he doesn't see what he wants, he knows better to throw it away, even if it's a penalty. He knows that uh, turnovers are going to cost him, and their whole game plan going to the season was limit every single turnover. So is your is your game plan to just throw the ball away every time? Because what is That's it? what he did the first half of the season, and we won all those games. Yeah, look at the difference in the opponent. Look at the difference between the first half of the schedule and the second half. The, the the New England Patriots they they had a cakewalk the first half of the season. They faced just, the Jets twice, the Giants, the Redskins. They faced a lot of cupcake teams. Okay, they faced the Dolphins with Antonio Brown. Okay, the, these are things that didn't have that didn't happen in the second half. You saw against Baltimore, against Houston, against Kansas City, and against uh, other top tier teams, even against Buffalo, you couldn't move the ball. And we said, you know what? They just have a top 5 defense. It's nobody else really has that that we're going to face and that's going to be fine. We kept dismissing it until you really t- dive into the minutia and say Wow, these players really aren't that good, or they need more time to develop. Either one. But I can't put all of the blame on Josh McDaniels at all. I have to take a lot of it and put it on the players, because no matter what game plan you come up with, it's going to look terrible if nobody can execute it. I, Josh McDaniels should have done a better job. He, How he, do you do a Brady, better job Brady if you don't have the tools to do it? But you have you have four running backs that are very capable: James White, Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, Brandon Bolden. Brandon Bolden, who ran two touchdowns on you last year when he was with the Miami Dolphins, completely torched you. And then you brought him back. He scores a couple touchdowns in the first couple weeks, and then you never let him run the ball the rest of the season. What are you doing? He's more than capable. He's fast. He's agile. He's strong. He's everything you would want in a running back. But they're like, oh, we have this this guy. His name's Sony Michelle. He got a six touchdowns in the playoffs last year. Let's see what he can do. Oh, he he can't run. Uh, he doesn't want to make a cut because he's scared to to hurt something else. He uh, just keeps running back into his offensive lineman's backs. Oh, let's let's just continue to use him and see if he figures it out. For the You're next taking a linebacker, eighteen games, and throwing him at fullback and expecting him to do the same job that James Devlin, the All-Pro, Pro Bowl fullback, was able to do. But why isn't Sony Michelle able to do something that Nick Chubb has been doing? Or he's not Nick Chubb. Marsh even he's Louis- not Dalvin Cook. He's the- not these guys. He Sony should. Michelle is not these guys. So you can't then say why, why isn't he able to do what so much? Ezekiel Elliott does you or have, Saquon Barkley. If you have Rex Burkhead and Brandon Bolton, why aren't you handing the ball to them when you know they can get you yards? It just doesn't make any sense. This is on Josh. He controls who's going into the game and who's coming out. Tom just calls the plays. Nah, Tom doesn't call the plays. Sure he does. He calls a play. He calls two plays. Josh calls the plays. I, I, 
don't agree with that. I'm I'm pretty sure. So so if that if you're saying that Tom calls the plays, and you hate the plays, how are you blaming Josh McDaniels? Because it's his playbook. Tom Brady doesn't create the plays; he calls them. He can only call what he has. He can't just create a play on the fly and be I'm like, not oh, following you, you your logic route. here because there has to be culpability between both or none. And I'm going with both. I can't put the blame on one person. I just can't. There's no, there's no shot that can happen. I'm not, that, I'm that not saying Tom Brady's blameless. He had a bad year. That's It's clear. not just Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady. It's Sony Michelle. It's Ben Watson. Matt Lacoste. These guys, the the offensive line struggled. Uh, Shaq Mason had a down year. Uh, Marcus Cannon had a terrible year. Um, we had Marshall Newhouse at left tackle for half the season. I mean, there there were plenty of issues to go around. I think what we ran into is the fact that the Patriots didn't have the tools to complete what they were trying to do. That's what it comes down to. There were not enough tool. There, there weren't enough tools in the tool chest to get the job done. Yeah, well, I believe it's like twenty of the Patriots players are up. Or contracts are up. I guarantee they have a better season next year. I guarantee they have a better season next year too, because you know who's pissed off? Bill Belichick. You know who the league hates? A pissed off Bill Belichick. You know who I hate? Josh McDaniels. It's time for him to go. No, well, I disagree. Um, anyway. I'm, we've spent a lot of time on this. I just want to get to the Saints and Vikings game real quick. The the Saints, um, yeah, man, I, I thought they had this one in the bag. They're playing at home. They have uh, a brand new um, corner at the, at the number Jim two position. Jenkins, yeah, yeah um, you know, and he did a really good job, I have to say. Because um, yeah, he's a solid he, cornerback. He's just not a number one. He's not a he's no, not but a he lockdown. he shut down Stefan Diggs for the most part, um, but the the Vikings just wanted it more. I saw it toward the end. the The hunger for the Saints just wasn't there. Um, and you know, I I know a lot of people are going to go to the the non call in the corner of the end zone. Uh, at first, I I said that they got screwed again, um, but after looking at it, um, it's too close. there was. Well, I, there was contact by both. If you truly watch that play, the corner or safety, I'm not sure which one he plays, uh, the defensive back was pulling the receiver's arm before he pushes off. So if you look at it that way, it's a non-call. I also think the, the DB sells it a little bit. He, put, he, he kicks his head back like he's getting shoved harder than he is. It, well, it, I think he realized that he got beat because he didn't get his head turned around. So he has to try to sell it a little bit. And then he realizes that, oh, man, this guy actually caught the ball. I have to make this look really good. And that, and this is where we are. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. think this is, you know, the Saints getting screwed over again. This is just a, a bad game for them. Uh, unfortunately, it happened in, in the wild card round. Uh, and they it's, they played a really good team. This is a strong Vikings team. Uh, Kirk Cousins is having, I'd say, his best season ever. After you know, he came back from what looked like it was going to be his worst season, and <laughs> and he's proving everybody wrong. He is a legitimate quarterback. I believe it's a contract year for him, or maybe next year's a contract year. Um, he is 
he's legit. He's gonna make plays. Stephon Gilmore, I mean, uh, uh, Stephon Diggs is making plays. He's a baller. Adam Thielen came back. He's a baller. And then you have Dalvin Cook. This is a tough team. You have the, the Vikings defense. Dalvin Cook is a man amongst boys, let me tell you. You think Derrick Henry's good. Dalvin Cook is a monster. That man, he he doesn't have the the physical size, but he's not he's like Marshawn Lynch 2.0. He's not afraid to run over any single human on that field. He just runs through people for fun, and it's fantastic to watch. But I will say that the the Saints losing this game was a bigger disappointment to me. I thought that the Patriots and the Titans was a tough matchup going into it. I thought the Titans matched up too well against the Patriots, and I I, I called that the, this was probably not going to be a win for the for the Patriots. I thought the Titans might might win this game. With the Saints, I thought it was going to be a runaway. I thought the Saints were going to blow the water, blow the uh, Vikings out of the water. Sorry, I I really didn't think that you know the Thielen or uh, Stefan Diggs would make too much of too much noise. I didn't think Kyle Rudolph was going to be that effective. I thought Dalvin Cook was the only thing that they were going to be able to run, and it I was proven wrong. That defense just became non-existent. Marshawn Lattimore, nowhere to be found. Janoris Jenkins did his job, um, but I don't think anybody else did well, besides I mean, Demario Latt- Davis. Was dealing with injuries all game. I don't know. Well, he how. left at the he left at the end of the game. He was taken out, I believe, with a head injury. I'm yeah, not too sure, or I, I a leg know. injury. I can't remember. He, he suffered a few injuries during that game, but. You you always see it with the losing team. The the big players always get injured somehow. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. I'm. I mean, for the most part, I really want to say that Drew Brees lost them this game because in in crunch time, when after, right after Taysom Hill had two monstrous runs, Drew Brees uh, gets strip sacked and the Vikings recover the ball. They completely lose. Uh, they lose all momentum. It it was a it was a bad turn of events and and it all falls on Breeze because he held the ball away from his body he knows better than that. Everson Griffin split two offensive linemen and just tipped the ball out of his hands because he has about a foot reach on him. Yeah, it was just it's it, it it's so uncharacteristic of Breeze, but it was the biggest game changer, and they probably had that game locked up if they if he holds on to that ball. Would you like to see the overtime rules change for the playoffs, where kind of like college, where both teams get to possess no matter what? No, no. This is a professional sport. You get dealt with. You 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 have to deal with the cards you're dealt. I I don't like those. Let's play fair. No, this is a professional sport. Yeah, um, I I'm tossed on it, but I I would have liked to see Breeze handle the ball uh in overtime. But this, I mean, these are the same rules that we've been playing with, you know. You'd have to go back to, you know, the the Atlanta Super, the Atlanta Patriots Super Bowl, and give Matt Ryan a chance and stuff like that. You know, I think, uh, I I think that this was a, they lost this game. The the defense really lost this game, and Kirk Cousins. As soon as the Vikings got this ball, I said, this is this game's over. It. The the Vikings are not letting the Saints have the ball back. That 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 was for sure. Yeah, it it is what it is at this point. The Saints, what are they? The twenty fourth pick in the draft. They uh, 
they got some work to do. Not too much. They have plenty of weapons, that's for sure. But they well, they have a couple first. They got to see if their quarterback comes back. That, that's the first and foremost. That will be I believe he will. Yeah, he'll. Come I believe he will. It's gonna be like a um, one or two year deal, probably. Yeah, but it'll be interesting to see how, how that all unfolds and if he's giving them a discount and you know what their cap is gonna look like. I, I mean, we'll, I doubt he'll give them a discount. <laughs> we'll get into that uh, as the time comes and and we get into off season stuff as well. Um, but I I, I want to. Get off this topic for now. I want to finish up with the uh, wild card weekend. Just a recap of the Bills Texans game and the Seahawks Eagles game. Uh, what what were your quick takeaways from both of those games? I was very disappointed when the Bills lost. And coming from a Patriots fan seems odd, but even when we were at the stadium and everybody was watching it on the jumbotron, jumbotron every time the Bills missed a play, we were like, "Oh no!" Like, yeah, the, it's so weird to see you know sixty thousand Patriots fans cheering for the Bills. It was weird, but they're the best team to beat the the Ravens, and they lost to the Texans. I just I don't know how they did it. I think. Like as I've heard, you know, from Deshaun a Watson is a man amongst boys. Oh, he he is unreal. He, he is he, an escape he artist. He really is uh, Michael <laughs> Jordan. He really is. And I and I heard some of his stats that he hit. He had eighty percent completion percentage, two hundred and fifty yards. He, he's just unreal. He got sacked seven times, and they still won that game. He's doing it by himself. He's he's right there with Russell Wilson. Trust really me, is. I know. He did it against my Alabama Crimson Died when he was in college. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. I understand what this man is capable of. He, he is. I, I, I love Deshaun Watson. I wish he was on my team. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I just love to watch him at any anytime I can. He, he is a lot of fun. He, if they can get an offensive line uh, in Houston, that is going to be a tough team. Because, and, and, a and a decent running back. Uh, Carlos Hyde had a thousand yard season. I think that he he's capable. He, he Carlos Hyde. He's getting a, up there in age though. That, Carlos that's Hyde smart. had a strong career in Kansas City, even in Cleveland. Uh, he, if you uh, give him the the reps, he can put in the work. Yeah, I just don't know how much longer he can do it. That's all. But nonetheless, uh, the Bills. I was disappointed. I honestly, even though I am a Patriots fan, I really like the Bills. I, I like their defense. I like their play style. I like Sean McDermott. Uh, and I like There's Josh, a lot to like there. I like Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, they're just they're, they're a fun team. I, I wish Josh Allen had a, little, a few more weapons. Um, that, would, that would create for a, more, uh, a better team, obviously, but just a, uh, a more fun team to watch. Now they got Devin Singletary, who's a baller. If he can stay healthy, he's going to uh, help them a lot. He's so, like uh, LaShawn McCoy and Darren Sproles mixed into one. I like it a lot. Yeah, I mean, he's he can take more of a hit. He can, he can hit uh, more than the two of them. I don't think he's as agile, but um, he, he's definitely going to be a top-tier running back for them. Uh, hopefully and then they what, about the, uh, what about the Seahawks-Eagles game? Uh, the Seahawks, Eagles, I, I honestly could care less. And then once I saw the Jadavion hit on Carson Wentz, I'm not one of those people that says, "Oh, Jadavion should be suspended." No, no, no. He, I don't think it was dirty. I, I think Carson Wentz I don't is think a the baby. Hit was dirty. At I all. think Carson Wentz is a baby. He, his head went into the turf. Yeah, he suffered a head injury. This is your season on the line. You need to show what kind of a leader you are. And you, I think he did show what kind of leader he is. I think that's exactly what we saw. 
And all these Eagles fans are going to be on us about this, and I understand that. But you know what? Carson Wentz is not the the strong man that that we you know he's expected to be. He gets hurt almost every single season. He hasn't made it through a full season, including the playoffs. Um, you know, and any any hard hit, it feels like he breaks. You can't have that in a franchise quarterback. You just can't. Yeah, I mean, he is a big body, and I, I, I've seen Josh Allen take bigger hits than that and get up from him. Even, I, he took a huge hit from, I think it was Jonathan Jones against the Patriots in the beginning of the season, and he was out for one play and came back in. That was a bigger yeah. hit than what Carson Wentz suffered, and Carson Wentz is leaving up to a 40-year-old Josh McCown. To beat I want. I just Seahawks. want to address the hit real quick. There, there's two main points that I want to go after. So Eagles fans are upset about the hit. Let's talk about it real quick. Um, th- according to the NFL officials, uh, they have a Twitter account. You can go check them out as well. But their Twitter account summed it up really well. They said that because he was a runner and he didn't slide – he is subject to a hit like that because they don't they're trying to stop him from gaining forward momentum with a slide you don't you you stop as soon as you hit the ground when you dive like that you you get stopped where you're touched and you hit the ground at the same time so at that moment he was heading to the ground but you want to stop all forward momentum so that that hit is allowed okay so that's why it wasn't flagged and then If you go back to earlier in the season, the Eagles uh, linebacker uh, Hicks, I believe his name is, is this season or last season, Hicks, the linebacker for the Eagles, did the same exact thing to uh, Dak Prescott. There's simultaneous image of the same exact thing. Dak Prescott left, came back after two plays. And nobody, w- no Eagles fans were crying then about how it was an illegal hit. But now, now when it happens to their quarterback, and because he's broken, then they feel like you know the world owes them everything. Yeah, it's this is why I honestly can't stand Eagles fans. They're so entitled. They think they're uh, you know gonna win it every year. They think they're they're always the best team in the world because they won it once. <laughs> On, uh, <laughs> It, it, it's it's not even Eagles fans. It's Philadelphia fans. They're all just honestly the worst uh, fan base in, in sports. Uh, I, I I know a few Eagles fans. They're the uh, anomaly. Some of them, yes, they are the anomaly. Yeah, some of them are very nice. Um, I have family that are Eagles fans. I love them to pieces. Um, I love them to pieces, but they uh, them. <laughs> their their choices in fandom uh, are tough to say the be- to say the least. So, uh, anyway, uh, I mean, I saw the Eagles winning this. I didn't have a doubt in my mind. I did think that it was surprising. You mean the Seahawks? What did I say? Eagles? Yes. <laughs> so you saw the Seahawks winning this game. I never saw the Eagles winning this game. Let's just <laughs> put that out there. Okay. The Seahawks were going to win it the entire time, all right? Gotcha. So the Seahawks. I, I did expect the Seahawks to put up more... more uh, uh, points More than points. they did. Yeah, it was way too close for my liking. I thought this would be a cakewalk for him, and it didn't seem to be. Um, I think they're really missing Chris Carson. I think that's what's happening right now. Uh, I mean, yeah, but Marshawn Lynch—he's still—he really is beast mode still. Like he hasn't no, he, lost. No, he the is. Stat. Of 
Of course he is. But he's not Chris Carson. Chris Carson was was doing he's running faster, more agile. Oh, he yeah. was hitting different holes. Um He's also 10 years you know, younger. Uh, a lot I think more than that. Probably. Anyway, he's Chris Carson's better, you know, in today's world, but Marshawn Lynch still beast mode even with that offensive line how bad it is. He's still uh putting up uh points, putting up uh big yards. He's he's a bruiser. He's he's going to wear down a defense and and that's what they need right now. So, you know, the the more games that Marshawn Lynch has with the Seahawks, the the harder it's going to be for them to, uh, to be stopped. And right. Now now they go they go to the Green Bay, right? That uh the Seahawks are going to Green Bay, yes. That'll be fun to watch because I don't think Green Bay is a good team. They have a horrible run defense. Horrible run defense. So it'll be interest. It'll be very interesting I to watch. Be I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I this this might be my uh, you know big uh, you know I don't know what you call those when, when you take like a hot take. Um, a hot take. <laughs> um, anyway, I I I will say I think Marshawn Lynch will have over 150 rushing yards. Okay. I mean, I I don't know how hot of a take it is. It might be lukewarm. But, um, (laughs) you know, Marshawn Lynch, like you said, can still do it. He's obviously not as good as Chris Carson. But the Packers did tout, what, the 29th or 28th best run defense in the league. So I don't expect much out of them. Um, We'll see. I mean, they have some big linebackers, but... You know, Marshawn Lynch is willing to run through walls for Skittles, so I I can imagine he's really willing to run through players for playoff bonuses. <laughs> so yeah, and Jadavion Clowney is going to eat with this offensive line. This offensive line got a lot away with a lot of holding calls this this season. I don't think they're going to get so lucky in the postseason. So I expect either a lot of calls or a lot of sacks for Jadavion Clowney. Yeah, I agree. Um. All right, let's uh, let's jump out of uh, the recaps. Um, that was all of Wild Card Weekend that we've talked about. I want to get to something that's happening right now, um, and actually started pretty much today. I, I guess you could say um, the coaching carousel in the NFL has begun. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna go through the different hirings that have happened so far, and uh, one specifically that we're going to speculate on who we think is going to get that job. Um, so the first one is Mike McCarthy being signed to the Dallas Cowboys. Your thoughts? As I've heard from other people, it's it's a safe pick. McCarthy isn't going to do anything special. He's going to um, figure out what your strengths are. He's going to play to your strengths. He what What doesn't make sense to me is Mike McCarthy is not one to run the ball a lot. When you have Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott as your running backs, that that's a little scary because he now needs to change his style if he's going to run an efficient team. Efficient team. I have a feeling that him and Jerry have talked about that. Hopefully, hopefully Jerry is smart enough to think about. This. Jerry's a very smart businessman. I, I, I have that. to give him that. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'll be interested to see how this works out, but it, it's it's just. It's a we. It feels weird. It doesn't. McCarthy's very laid back. He's a quiet guy. 
it, it and the you know, Jerry Jones is very outspoken. The everything that the 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 drama that comes out of Dallas is big. It just doesn't. It seems too big for Mike McCarthy. I'll be interested to see how he reels it in. It, I I qu I question the the hire. It, um, it doesn't seem like a good fit. Yeah. So, I, Mike McCarthy is an interesting choice. Um, I I really didn't think that they were gonna go with an offensive mind again. Um, I thought they were gonna really try to hone in on that defensive side of the ball, but, um. You know, Mike McCarthy, he, he makes uh he makes sense to me, I guess, in the sense that he's a veteran coach. Um he's gonna help uh accelerate Dak Prescott. Um he's going to bring that offense to score a lot of points. Um but there was definitely something that I saw that was very interesting today. Um and it was that uh let's see if I can just pull it up. Um yeah, so Mike McCarthy has um, almost the same exact winning percentage as Sean Payton. They have the same exact number of uh, division wins, uh, division titles, and the same exact number of uh, trips to the Super Bowl and Super Bowl wins. So when you're taking all of that into consideration, you know, I'm not saying he's Sean Payton by any stretch of the imagination, but he is an accomplished head coach. So, you know, he might have been out of football for a year, but I think you're getting a really, really good uh, head coach here and somebody who had a year away from the game to kind of reset himself. He's not dealing with the big personality that is Aaron Rodgers. Um, he has somebody who's hungry to learn and Dak Prescott, somebody who's a lot more humble than Aaron was. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of good here for, for Mike McCarthy moving forward. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was the reason he got fired in the first place. They didn't get along and you got to get rid of one of them. And it's definitely not going to be your star quarterback. <laughs> that's right that's right um the second move that caught a lot of people by surprise i should say uh was joe judge going to the new york giants now for those of you who don't know who joe judge is he was the special teams coordinator and wide receivers coach for the new england patriots he took over as wide receivers coach for the patriots after chad o'shea left last year to join Brian Flores in Miami. So he was only there for this past year in that position. But he's been the special teams coordinator for the Patriots for the last, I want to say, nine or ten years. Um, so your thoughts on the Giants hiring Joe Judge? I like it. I like Joe Judge a lot. He's a solid mm -hmm. coach. And yep. one thing a lot of people, first of all, people have to stop saying he's a wide receivers coach for us. Yes, he is for one year. He is a special teams coach. That at heart, he is a special teams coach. It's what he is. Call, call him what he is. Um, now that I have said that, Joe Judge is a great hire. One thing that comes along with being a special teams coach, a coordinator, is you have to deal with players on both sides of the ball. So you have to know the ins and outs of every position and how how to utilize the player skill set at those positions. You need to be able to take on um, new players that, that are just signed to the roster and, and because new players that are signed to the roster in the middle of the season are going to uh, mostly be on special teams. So you're going to have to help them adapt to the system, get them 
all settled in as quick as possible. These are all traits that are going to help a young team that just like the New York Giants. They're a young team. They they brought in uh, players that are new to the system. And this his skill set is going to help a lot there because he's going to help them develop very quickly. He's going to get the right coordinators in position. And he's going to be what a head coach is supposed to be, a manager. He's going to help just keep everything on track and, and let the coordinators do their job. I believe he'll he'll get the right help, as we've already seen. They're already reaching out to get Jason Garrett as their offensive coordinator. I think that that, that could help them a lot. Joe Judge is going to be a really good ad for the New York Giants, and I expect big things from him, just like we've seen big things from Brian Flores so far in Miami. Yeah, um, so Joe Judge, for those of you who who don't know, has a defensive background from high school and college uh, coaching positions. Um, He was actually uh, a gym teacher in middle school for a little bit as well, so hey... You, you you have somebody who is smart enough to be an educator. Um, <laughs> I, I don't I, I don't know if you want to go that far, um, oh but God. nonetheless, uh, he he is actually working on getting his PhD in education. So he's he's a very brilliant person. Um, he was Bill Belichick's right hand man. I'm really excited for the Giants in this uh, position because I think Joe Judge is very detail-oriented. He's the closest thing to Bill Belichick to come out of that coaching tree. I'll, I will say that. Um, out of all the different coaches that have left, co- you know, Bill O'Brien, Charlie Weiss, um, Eric Mangini, um, Brian Flores, Matt Patricia, the list goes on. Joe Judge is the closest thing that you're going to get to somebody who is groomed and prepared for this position and somebody who's not going to uh, fall to the pressure that's going to take place, especially with the media in New York. Um, you know, being from New Jersey, we understand more than most, how, you know, the the rap that you can get uh, as head coach of the Giants. So it, it's he's got a lot on his plate, but he's definitely somebody who can um, – handle it with with ease for sure um i'm excited to see what they do at coordinator now uh, we talked a little bit before this show about this move um but jason garrett going there as the offensive coordinator doesn't really sit well with me because to me it seems like the maras want him more than joe judge does and i i don't know this for a fact but just based on timing and the way things look it it seems like this is a move by the Giants, not by Joe Judge. So if 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 that's the case, you're forcing an offensive coordinator on your brand new head coach that he didn't choose. Uh, th- that's a recipe for disaster to start. Uh, well, this especially is, especially I, with Jason Garrett, who just left the Cowboys, your division arch nemesis, and he's the one. It, like they know everything about Jason Garrett. So I'm not sure why they would want to bring him in anyway. Well, this is my take on it. I believe because it is an arch rival in the in the Dallas Cowboys, Joe Judge, because this this con this uh, deal has pretty much been in place since last night. They the Maras and Joe Judge have had time to talk. Joe Judge said when they they asked him who would you want as your offensive coordinator, he's listing people off. One of them knows Jason Garrett. They know that 
And if they want to interview Jason Garrett, you can't just have a low-level person in the organization reach out to the Cowboys and say, hey, we want to interview Jason Garrett. That's not going to fly. You're going to have to go to the highest level, to the Maras, are going to have to reach out to Jerry Jones himself and show little respect and be like, hey, we know you're letting Jason Garrett go. We'd like to bring him in and interview him. And I think that is the proper way of doing it in this case because, you know, Jerry Jones, he's he's going to take everything personally if you uh, reach out to him with your your lowest assistant and asking for an interview. He's going to take offense to that. And the Maras are all about respect and they're, they're doing their due diligence. That's how I believe uh why why this is happening the way it is why why it's going through the owners and and not through the front office yeah i gotta say i mean this is all speculation between us two so i mean this is really just trying to figure out how this is going to work out and 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 why it's happening this way but nonetheless um and it's not like jason garrett's been hired he's there for an interview right correct so um Let's move on to the next one. Uh, Matt Rule, the ex-Baylor head coach, uh, is now hired as the head coach as the Carolina Panthers. Your thoughts? I don't have too much of a take on this. I'm not. I don't know too much about Matt Rule, um, but he, he's a young guy. He's coming from uh, a college, you know, college, the collegiate level. And as we've seen with both Kingsbury and all these other coaches that that have come from straight from college, they they seem to be more in tune with their players and understand their skills better. And he's going to a very young team for the most part. And with all these players that he has that just came out of of college, especially Kyle Allen, since he's probably their future. Uh, I think this is a good hire. He's going to be able to speak to him and, and really understand where he's coming from and, and help him develop the way he needs to be developed. So I, I, I give this uh, – I, I believe this is a good hire. Um, I, don't, I don't know what, what side of the ball he um, mainly uh, – like what he's used to coaching. Um, but I believe he's offensive. Yeah, so that would that would make sense because you have a very young offense. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey. You don't want to waste his talents, and then you you have a strong offensive line, and you got Kyle, Kyle Allen. Um, you're gonna build up the receivers over there, get them some weapons, and I I think uh, I think there's a lot of potential here. So I I think this is a good hire. Yeah. Um... I don't know much about Matt Rule besides, you know, kind of what he's done in Baylor. Um, he's been talked about for a couple of years now in the head coaching circles. Um, you know, overall, the, he has a lot to offer, a lot of youth and exuberance on the offensive side of the ball, specifically in Carolina, as you mentioned. You have Christian McCaffrey and, and Kyle Allen. I don't know if they're going to move forward with Kyle Allen or if they're going to try to keep Cam Newton. I don't really know what the plan is there, but that's for him to figure out now. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Car- Carolina has some big holes to fill this year, so I'm not really sure what the direction is, but it'll be interesting to see how he handles the pressure of an NFL team versus recruiting for a college team. Yeah, and he also has the capital of being able to trade away Cam Newton, so he'll he'll get a lot lot of lot out of uh, that trade. Yeah, no, I agree. So that that'll, um, that'll help him. And then this is the final one. This is where we're going to speculate a little bit. But, I, don't, you know, the the only vacancy for head coach that we've seen so far uh, that hasn't been filled is the Cleveland Browns. Uh, obviously, Freddie Kitchens 
uh, and John Dorsey actually go, you know, getting the can. Uh, who do you think ends up in Cleveland? Um, I think that it's really down to two people in my mind. I think it's between uh, Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, and Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, who's been rumored to go to every team in the NFL for the last you know five <laughs> six years. Um, almost you know he was with the Broncos and then came back and then he was supposed to be with the the Colts and then he turned the plane around. And, um, you know now now it seems like Cleveland is his best option. Honestly, this this would be a perfect fit for him. He's in his uh, home state of uh, Ohio and uh this is a budding team with so much potential he can do a lot he has baker mayfield uh that he can scheme around and he's got uh i don't know if odell will be he's there got, but he'll have jarvis he'll have nick chubb he has yeah. uh kareem he can hunt. well he, kareem hunt's a restricted free agent but he could s- still get kareem hunt back there's a lot David Njoku. Yeah, he's yeah got, they have they have a lot. All you got to do is build up that offensive line, and and they're pretty much set on that side of the ball. So that this is a fair, this is a budding team. Alt needs a strong coaches, and I think he would. This would be a perfect fit for him. As much as I'm upset with Josh McDaniels for how the season went, I would like to see him succeed here. Yeah, so I also think Josh McDaniels will take the job, or well, sorry, will get the job. I'm not convinced he's going to take it, and uh, this is based off an off of an article from uh, from a reporter in Cleveland. Um, for those of you who don't know a lot about the the Browns, they have uh, the team's chief strategy officer. His name is Paul De Podesta, um, and him and Josh McDaniels do not get along. Uh, they. Uh, As far as I know, Josh McDaniels does not like him. I don't know if it's reciprocated or not, Um, but it's rumored that Josh McDaniels will not accept a job offer from the Cleveland Browns as long as uh, Paul D. Podesta is still holding his current role. Uh, It should be noted that D. Podesta's contract is up soon, so maybe they will promise to not re-sign him to his position. Uh, but nonetheless, um, that's where it stands right now. They're also they did talk about um, Brian Dayball as well in the article about possibly being uh, uh, one of the coaches. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but they did. They talked about uh, one person in particular and this is a definitely a name to watch out for his name is kevin stefanski he's the offensive coordinator for the minnesota vikings now if you have seen anything from the minnesota vikings at all um you realize that they their team is set up very much like the cleveland browns are right now the only difference being the quarterback position um i would say that jarvis and odell are an upgraded version of Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. Um, I would say Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt can do the same job that Dalvin Cook can do. Um, I think that David Njoku can do the same thing that Kyle Kyle Rudolph can do. So as long as he can bump up uh, Baker Mayfield, I think that Kevin Stefanski is the best person for this position. Um Josh McDaniels, I, I feel like this is his last his last real chance. If he doesn't get a job now, I 
I don't know when he's going to get a job. He, I, I guess the only other scenario would be he takes over for Bill Belichick in New England when he decides to call it quits. Um, because, you know, you've already spurned one team and that that turned a lot of other teams off. And now, you know, a lot of teams are saying, yeah, maybe we'll go with somebody else because of how things went in New England with you this year. So, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, Kevin Stefanski is definitely my choice for the for the Cleveland uh, head coaching job. Yeah, I mean, it can make it can make a lot of sense. Uh, you know, like you said, they're they're very similar offenses, and uh, Nick Nick Chubb would thrive. You know, the, the Vikings have an average at best offensive line, and you see what Dalvin Cook has done. Nick Chubb is is up there with Dalvin Cook, and so is Kareem Hunt. So. Now, now you got pretty much two Dolphin Cooks over there, and, and <laughs> it's it should be uh, game over. So that that would be a good hire for them. There's a lot of options. There's no possible way the Browns could mess this up again. Freddie Kitchens is out. There, I don't think there's anybody else that could mess that up as much as Freddie Kitchens. Well, so um, you know, I brought up Paul D. Podesta. I just want to note. Um, Paul DePodesta chose Freddie Kitchens over Kevin Stefanski last year. And according to certain reports around Minneapolis, Kevin Stefanski is not all that happy about that decision and may take that into account if he's offered this the head coaching position. Now, I don't know if that's just you know a Vikings reporter who is trying to convince him to stay or what the case may be. But uh, nonetheless, that that's something that should be noted. Um, so so we'll see. Uh, there, there's a lot that can happen in Cleveland, but um, I, I guess you can't do be- do worse than Freddie Kitchens. I, I I really don't know what that would look like. Maybe yeah. Marvin Lewis. <laughs> probably <laughs> that I'm, Marvin Lewis or Jason Garrett taking over in Cleveland would probably be the only thing worse than Freddie Kitchens at this point. Yeah. Uh, right so. before we move on, uh, there is one team uh, you, we did forget to mention, and that's uh, the Redskins and Ron Rivera. So I just want to hear uh, your thoughts on the signing of Ron Rivera with the Washington Redskins. Um. Huh. I mean, Ron Rivera just. Uh, he's a very good coach. I think he's going to do a lot of good in Washington, but I think Washington has more holes than than they they care to count because uh, I don't like their quarterback situation at all. Um, they need at least one or two more receivers. They need a tight end because you can't count on Vernon Davis or Jordan Reed to stay healthy. Um, you know, Adrian Peterson, how long is he going to do it well, for? You're going to have to... Well, here's the thing. Well, we had talked about this when we were, um, you know... While we to, were while, gone. We, while we were together for the holidays, we had talked about this because that's when it happened. And I brought up the roster. And I looked at it and I was like, wow, this is actually a really good roster. You look at all the players they had on IR, you bring them back, they're great. Except all of them are free agents. And that's why I think that they have too many holes that they can't yeah, fill. Yeah, and with, with, if, with what's going on with the owner, no no one really wants to be associated with the Redskins right now. So it's it's going to be hard. Ron Rivera's a uh, you know, coach you want to play for, but playing for Dan Snyder is a whole other story. And, and being oh, yeah. in 
Dan Snyder's world where he controls everything that your your facilities and your coaches and like and your front office. It, it's just a it's a bad culture. It has a bad rap. Well, I mean, it, look at it's going to be. I tough. mean, you don't have to look any further than the Trent Williams situation, exactly. which we have exhausted to at nauseum. I mean, the the issue that you know he's portrayed there and how he's treated basically uh you know a cornerstone of his franchise when he has said multiple times he wants to leave and then he said you know what I'll come back and then they put him directly on injured reserve for the to end his season it, the way he's they're treating their players is absolutely atrocious you know it's kind of like um uh what's his name in New York uh, Dolan, James Dolan. You know, a, yeah. a lot. Yeah, James Dolan. People don't want to play for these these owners. That there's too much power in free agency in today's day and age to say I have to play for this owner. I mean, a lot of people just do not like these people, and to uh, I don't see a lot of people coming. A lot of those players coming back. Um, they had a nice core. This would have been a huge year for them if they were able to stay healthy, but they were not, especially with the way that uh, <laughs> NFC East oh, yeah. played they could, out. They could have won that division if they were fully healthy. There's no question in my mind. That would have been wild. I mean, you're talking about Darius Geis and Jordan Reed. Terry McLaurin came into his own. Um, don't forget they have Alex Smith, at quarterback, who who may or may not play again. We don't know. Yeah. Um, it's true. Uh, who's the guy that they brought in from Minnesota, the quarterback there? Um, Case Keenum. Case Keenum. Uh, he's a good quarterback. Um, obviously, Adrian Peterson's still there. They have a top-tier offensive line. Um, yeah, yeah, but they're, uh, sh- Who's it? Short? Scherf. Scherf. Brandon Scherf was out all season. Yeah. Uh, and he's a free agent. Yep. Um, your left tackle, like we said, Trent Williams, yep. doesn't want to play for you, and you've treated him like absolute human garbage. Um, you know, and and that's just the offensive side of the ball. Now, now you jump over to the defensive side of the ball. Their entire defensive backfield is going to be gone. Um, you know, they have to start over at linebacker, and the only thing they really have is uh, defensive tackles and defensive ends. That's because that's all they've drafted recently. Well, I mean, yeah, you still got Ryan Kerrigan there. He he'll he'll never leave. He's a a redskin lifer. Um, as long as he can stay healthy. You have Jonathan Allen and uh, Deron Payne, yeah, who you drafted from Alabama. And uh, Ioannidis. Yep, Matt Ioannidis. They, these are very... We, we played the Redskins, and they were... Their front seven is incredibly strong. Oh, yeah. Incredibly oh, yeah. strong. So, they, they, that's why I'd say they have a bright future. If they can bring back some of these big weapons and then get a few on top of them. Yeah, I, Ron I Rivera just, is a very I doubt good they'll coach. have that. I, I think that he could do a lot, especially with Dwayne Haskins. We saw what Ron Rivera did with Cam Newton in the beginning of his career, and and that's what Dan Snyder is hoping with Ron Ron Rivera is going to do with Dwayne uh, this time around. Dwayne Haskins, yeah. yeah. So it's, um, I ho- hopefully uh, lightning strikes twice for Ron Rivera. You know, I I hope the best for Ron Rivera, but I I do not like the Washington Redskins. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination, just be how they treat people, and uh, I do not like their owner. So you know, well, that's what it comes I, down to. It's it's their owner, and it's their uh, their uh, front training, office, their training staff too. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Every everybody in the the front office and their their facility uh, f- 
facilities guys. They're they're all uh, part of the issue. And if you want to know more about the issue with Trent Williams, we discussed it a while back. Uh, go back through our episodes. It's titled right in the beginning. It says Trent Williams. Um, you'll be able to listen to everything we talked about there. We I, I did a deep dive into his issues and uh, everything that the team has put him through. So... Um, I think I think we can leave the coaching stuff at that at this point. Uh, we'll we will update as Cleveland kind of figures things out and as coordinators move around as they always do. Um, but I, I think that's that's where we're going to leave the coaching carousel for for 2020. Um, a, a topic I don't want to bring up, but I have to. Uh, it was announced today by the Athletic that the Red Sox have been accused of cheating just like the Houston Astros have by using what is called a replay room. And they were using replay footage to show players signs from pitchers and catchers during the game. Now this is, um, this was an accusation that was posed against them uh, by somebody at The Athletic. The Red Sox have already come out with a statement and said that they're going to cooperate fully and they will do whatever it takes. Um, but I, I just want to put it on the record. I do not waver from where I stood with the Astros on this. If if this does come to fruition, you need to throw the book at the Red Sox. If if this is something that that truly is a a violation and they truly cheated and you have proof of it, you absolutely they should have a postseason ban. Alex Cora needs to get suspended for a long time, a very long time. Um, I mean, hey, that I works. Believe, that works for me. You know, give a playoff ban to the Astros and Red Sox. I, no, and, and and I think that you need to find them. Up the wazoo. I, I really, I whatever the max is. I think it's two million dollars or something like that. Uh, whatever it says in the collective bargaining agreement that you can find a team, um, but you need to throw the absolute proverbial book at the Red Sox and the Astros if if these reports are uh, come to fruition as being true. Yeah, it'll it'll be really interesting to see how the MLB handles this now, especially if now that we have two accusations, um, there there's most likely more. So I expect more to come out um, in time, and I'm sure the MLB is going to take um, a proactive approach to this, and they're going to kind of reach out to former players or former executives and. And try to investigate into every team to make sure that they're running a clean operation because they don't want to be dealing with this for the next decade. This is something you want, they want to nip in the butt as soon as possible, and they're they're taking they're doing their due diligence to make sure they're they're doing everything properly. If I were the MLB, uh, what I would do is I was hi- I would hire thirty. Uh, I, I don't know what you call them. No, I would hire 30 employees, basically. Um, a little more than that. A little higher up than just employees. And they would be, just stand in the in the dugouts and monitor everything that's happening. But uh, this is a professional in sport. The Why are you babysitting? It doesn't, doesn't matter. If, that's how, if this is... So it should be an just, umpire at that point, then. Okay, so make it an umpire. But... 
what what we need to focus on here is making sure that this doesn't happen because you talk about the integrity of the game. This is the integrity of the game. I'm all for stealing signs if it's doing it the right way because that's what baseball is. But if you're using technology when the when the rules clearly state that you can't, then you're in clear violation and you need the book thrown at you because that is not something that you should be able to do or you should be doing especially since there are possibly 28 other teams that aren't doing it um so i i think that you know there needs to be somebody from major league baseball in there to monitor every team to make sure this isn't happening that way they don't run into the same thing that they ran into with the steroid era where you know they're they're going to punish people but the punishment's going to be light and it's not going to stop people from continuing to do it over and over again cuz then then what you just allow all 30 teams to do it and you you give them a small fine and that's the end of it then why why have it in the rules at all yeah you got to set the precedent now and I, I, I don't know. I don't know. You, you broke this news to me right before we uh, started recording. Um, so I don't, I don't really know too much about this, this new scandal with the Red Sox. But if it's anything like the Astros, I think the Astros scandal is far worse um, just because there's multiple reports that was reported right away. Um, it's not as quiet as this Red Sox one is. I think people are trying to uh, save face for the Red Sox because they don't they don't know if everything's true or not yet. And and uh, you know this is coming from a Yankee fan. I I want to see the worst for the Red Sox. Um, that's just my <laughs> on the field on the not field. off the field. No no I don't want to see anything with the players or anything. But um, I just want to see them lose. Um, right. But I the way that this is being non-reported tells me that there's probably nothing here or it's not as serious as the Astros. We'll learn more in, in time, but right now um I I'm very indifferent just because because I don't I don't know much. And Yeah, I uh, I I mean nobody does. It this was reported today. It's it is absolutely breaking news. Um but uh, the Boston Red Sox as it stands right now uh, like I said, have denied the allegations, and they have said that they will be cooperating fully with Major League Baseball in any and all investigations that go into this. Um, and I will say this. If it is found to be true, the Red Sox need to fire Alex Cora because he is the only reason that this would have happened, bringing it over from the Houston Astros. So it's like a disease. You know, you got to get away from it. Um, and you cut it off where it can. Now, and, and I'm not saying that because I I love Alex Cora. I think he's a great manager. But if you're going to, in your first season, implement a way to cheat, I I cannot stand behind you at all. And that, and that's just where I stand right now. Um, so we're gonna leave that there for now. Uh, there's not really much more to get into. Uh, we want to hear your thoughts on this though. Uh, so tweet at us, um, comment, send us any articles that you think we should take a look at. Uh, but we want to hear what your guys' thoughts are on the Red Sox cheating scandal uh, that broke today from the Athletic. 
Um, and then we're going to jump into our final topic of today. Um, it's kind of a fun one. We're going to uh, just debate the national championship. We're going to give you our predictions on who, you, uh, who we think the uh, national champion will be for the college football playoff. Uh, Nick, I'm going to toss it over to you first. Uh, yeah, I mean, we watched LSU play, um, uh, who is, <laughs> I'm honestly blanking right now. I'm talking about, uh, Georgia, no, not Georgia, um, Clemson played uh, Ohio Oklahoma. State. Oklahoma? And then, yeah, it was LSU against Oklahoma. Um, yeah, th- this game was kind of a runaway. Uh, was it seven touchdowns in the first half for Joe yeah, Burrow? Yeah, I mean, it was under- Joe Burrow was a it was, beast. Yeah, and Justin Jefferson was just like four touchdowns, five touchdowns. It, it was just absurd. It, it really was. This game was over before it started. LSU has more momentum behind them than I think I've ever seen with any sports team. It, it's unreal how everybody is just so excited for them. Um, you don't even, I'm not even a fan of LSU and I just, I want to see them succeed because it's, I think people take a liking to, I think people take a liking to Ed Orgeron too. I mean, you just look at that (laughs) big goofy smile and you're like, and then you hear him talk and you're like that, that's somebody I can get behind. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, they're, they're fun. They're fun people to, to root for. Um, and I, I, I think they're, they're a good team. I think they have a lot to offer. But going into this uh, this national championship game, you've got two titans going to get up against each other, Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow. It's going to be an awesome match. I expect this to be a high-scoring game. I expect um, two of the best performances. This is our this is the NFL's future right here, and so I'm excited to see what they have in store. And Honestly, I I think the that LSU is the better team. Like I said, they had too much momentum behind them. I think that Clemson got beat down in that Ohio State game. That was an all-out brawl, and it was unreal to watch. And it it was an amazing game. But even though they have a two two weeks to recover, I don't know if they're going to be able to overcome what they went through, the battle that they just got out of. And then deal with this Titan who is just on fire completely. They, they, they have Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, uh, so many other players that they're just they're really good. They're they're gonna do a great job, and I, I think LSU's probably gonna have a two or three score uh, win over over Clemson. So, uh, we both agree it's gonna be high scoring. I think that Clemson has the moxie to hang in there with Joe Burrow and take the shots that he's going to give them. But what's really going to do it for for me is that Clemson has been there before. Dabo Sweeney knows what it takes to win a national championship. He's been there against Nick Saban and Tua, uh, uh, Tua and those guys. He's He knows what it takes. Um, I, I, I think that that uh, experience is going to come in really well for them. Um, Ed Orgeron, this is the most uh, success that he's seen ever in his coaching career. So he is kind of figuring it out as he goes. So I'm going to say that Clemson wins this game uh, by a slim margin. I think it's going to be 34-31 to 31 that Clemson wins. Um, and I think that the... Uh, 
MVP of the game is going to be um, none other than Sunshine himself, <laughs> uh, Mr. Trevor Lawrence. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not gonna even try to put a score on this game. I think that LSU is gonna score into the 40s, um, and Clemson will probably have like a low 30s score. I don't. I don't know what that might be if I were to work out the numbers, but. Uh, so you're you're thinking this is a blowout? Well, I said two to three score lead uh, to win the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I I think that LSU is just gonna pull ahead. I think I I strong into momentum. I've seen it before where momentum, <coughs> excuse me, is strong enough in itself to will a team to victory over a stronger opponent. You know the the underdog uh, can can prevail if it. Uh, believes enough. Well, you're talking about underdogs. I think it's the uh, it's the classic story of the um, the unstoppable force against the immovable object. I wonder, <laughs> you know, what what's really going to give way first is the question. Um, but we, I'm excited for the explosion that is the actual football game. Um, and I, you know, I I I want everybody to understand. You know, as much as an Alabama fan as I am, this is going to be probably one of the best college football games you're going to watch in your lifetime. So I definitely, definitely urge you to watch this football game. Yeah, this is definitely going to be, this is a perfect way to kick off the new decade. Um, You know, we're going to really kick off the roaring 20s with a, a roaring football game. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for for sure. Um, I think with that, we're going to call it uh, our first episode back. This is this was incredible. Um, Happy New Year! We thank everybody. you guys. Happy <laughs> New Year! Uh, we thank you guys all so much for for listening in 2019, and we hope that you'll continue to uh, to listen and and speak with us about our, uh, everything we have to talk about. Uh, in 2020 and moving forward we love doing this for you guys and we can't wait to continue it Um, and uh, we're going to leave it there at that enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you next Tuesday